This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all things happening in and around the Lakeland area. Here's your chance to plan your family activities and learn more about what your city government and your neighbors are doing to make Lakeland a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome, Listen Lakeland. My name is Jason Willie. I'm the business development manager for the city of Lakeland. Today, I have the opportunity, the pleasure of visiting with executive director of the LDDA downtown, Miss Julie Townsend. Julie has had a tremendous impact on our community, specifically downtown, working with businesses, property owners, merchants, visits, visitors, um, really everyone that we're working with to promote downtown and to see our businesses grow and thrive. Um, Julie, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, good. Well, listen, thank you for, for joining me today. This is a unique time. Um, Julie and I are, are visiting together from separate locations. So we are being responsible with our social distancing and wanting to continue to provide information and dialogue. Um, I, I thought there was value to having Julie with us today to really talk a lot about downtown, all of the events, all of these things that have we've seen happen over the last couple months that have been associated with the, the COVID-19. But I guess before we before we dedicate a lot of time to that, this was such a new um, pandemic, this, this issue, this thing that came about. I wanted to ask you, Julie, maybe if we could dial back to the 1st of February before this existed, kind of give us a little bit of a, the state of downtown from that standpoint of good economy, you know, low unemployment, a lot of construction, a lot of new people coming and visiting. Um, share us a little bit of where we were before this, this happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, downtown was definitely on a path of growth and uh, with sales, restaurants, we have more restaurants in downtown than we have ever uh, with many, uh, about, about nine new restaurants opening in the last two years and um, all doing well, all the, our, our usual suspects that have been here, our staples that have been here for a long time. Um, talking about increase in sales over last year. Everybody was really looking forward to a robust uh, season with the tigers and the visitors from the tigers and the snowbirds. And I mean, we were, we were, we were super happy. We were sitting pretty and expecting a great season. Uh, February, March, April are the best months for downtown and um, you know, with the we have new retail downtown, and they were doing really well. Obviously, as you mentioned, all this growth with all the new businesses that are coming and the businesses that are building buildings—it's just an unprecedented time in downtown of growth in every category. And and you know, we were we were we were getting really excited for what was to lie ahead. Little did we know. <laughs> Little did we know. Yeah. So, so go into the the first or second week of March. I mean, we've got thirty or forty cases of this new virus that are making their way into the state, but we really couldn't see what that that local impact was going to be. We could see globally, and we could see things moving, but we didn't really understand. So maybe, you know, for 
for the rest of our, our time together, you know, we can we can talk about present day and, and a little bit where we are. I, I think of downtown and, and, and I'm working here and I get to come and visit a lot and, and eat and, and play and have fun. You know, I look at downtown in a number of different categories, maybe, you know, obviously our, our restaurants and our, our retail are very important, but we've got a lot of office, you know, we've got a lot of residential. So maybe if we pick through some of those, we can go piece by piece and really um, talk about what you're seeing, what you're hearing from from vendors and visitors and kind of where we are real time and, and what we look to see coming ahead as we get into the summer. Um, so maybe let's start with restaurants. You know, obviously this COVID-19 and, and the, the stay at home and the, the restrictions, it, it shocked all of our restaurants more than we could have imagined. So, so talk a little bit about that, talk about the impacts and you know, what they saw from the beginning and, and how we're getting a little bit more nimble. Yeah, the restaurants, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, restaurants, bars and retail all were hit really, really hard uh, with being closed, so to speak, for the most part. But the restaurants, uh, you know, we went to minimal, uh, reduced capacity and then all of a sudden closed. All you can do is take out. And that isn't something that was necessarily a huge part of their business. Uh, many of them catering is really what hurt them the most was loss of the catering business. Uh, obviously, nobody's gathering to get to yeah. do catering. So that was a huge loss for so many of them, especially the well-established ones that really had a thriving catering business. So it was an interesting transition. Uh, you walk into, um, and I could, not most people could, but I could walk into a restaurant there for you know my business purposes, and all the tables are filled with to-go bags and to-go materials to prep bags with you know to-go silverware and napkins and. Uh, the, the styrofoam containers and it just the inside of the restaurant transformed into an assembly line, essentially, for the curbside and the takeout orders that were coming in. And thankfully, you know, they they had a lot of them. I think this the community really rallied around the restaurants and said, if we want these guys to be here when life gets back to normal and enjoy their wonderful cuisines, we better we better eat out a lot <laughs> during yeah. this, this, uh, this time. And I, and I applaud the community. They really, I think they saved, they saved our restaurants. Uh, but the, you know, not, a, not online ordering was a challenge. You know, people call in, you'd call into, you know, Harry's and, and you talk to somebody on the phone about what you wanted to order. And, and now all of a sudden uh, the volume has increased and, and you've got to deal with trying to, take orders online uh, and, and shift people to that method. So I think they did an amazing job. Uh, you know, there were hiccups on the way, you know, obviously sometimes things were slow and lines backed up because people were coming to pick up and pay. And when you pay at the same time of picking up, it, it clogs the line. And, but they learned um, and, and they shared what they learned, I think, with their online communities to say, look, we weren't prepared for this. We're doing everything we can. We're going to make mistakes and bumps in the road, but we're, we're learning and we're going to get the food to you fast, as fast as we can, as fresh as we can, you know, in terms of being warm still and not sitting, waiting for you to pick mm -hmm. it up and, and not keep you waiting at the curbside, uh, which was really important to people. 
Well, and I think that's what we we heard from so many people. And it's it's great to be in Lakeland. It's great to see so many people in the community that really believed so much in downtown and they believe so much into our, our local restaurants and folks that are there that they recognize, you know, this is something that nobody's ever seen before. And I can be a little bit of flexible on, on what I order if the menu is is a little bit abbreviated or if I need to wait. I think a lot of folks were really happy just to be outside of their house and have the opportunity to pick up food or to see a familiar face from a distance and to go through that process. So were, were most of the restaurants downtown able to do some sort of a curbside or, or delivery um, option early yeah. on? Yeah, they, you know, we had the, the services that already provided, you know, the DoorDash and the, you know, mm-hmm. all those others, Takeout Hero and all those others, you know, but those are, those add fees and, and I don't, and so I think many of them, those who could uh, offered their own delivery within a limited service area uh, just to make sure that they could provide that to their customers at a, at a more economical price. Um, but also, you know, I think that they really, they, they worked hard on family meals and, and instead of just providing the normal menu or even an abbreviated menu, they came up with completely new concepts because mm-hmm. people were at home with their families and you kind of have to feed a, a, you know, four or five, maybe six people at a time, whereas exactly. that's not always the case. So all of a sudden you've got family meals where everything's included. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to decide, okay, what sides do we want? Do we want bread? Do we not want bread? Do we want, you know, chicken? Well, somebody else wants, you know, steak. And so they took all of that painful ordering uh, out of the process and said, pick from our family meals. This is what you get. You get the whole, you know, the whole shebang in, 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 in one meal, uh, you know, fam- feed a family of four, one price. And it just made it very simple. And that really resonated with p- folks. I mean, to get a family and, and Resco's, for example, you know, came up with completely new things that they had never cooked before. You know, their pot pies were all the rage. I don't know if you, if you heard of them, but, you know, Tina at Fresco's created, you know, chicken pot pies and veggie pot pies. And that's something that you wouldn't normally get on the menu at Fresco's. But when she started offering those, uh, they were, they were sold out before she could even get them all cooked. And so that sort of wholesome family meal kind of thing that you don't have to cook it yourself. You can still support a restaurant, but you're not always eating quote restaurant food in that sense, um, really resonated with people. And, And a lot of them are keeping, some of those meal packages uh, even after reopening because it still makes a great to-go business. Okay. Well, good. Julie, can you still hear me? Okay, good. It looks like my camera has frozen. So, we, you know, again, we love the technology of doing this in, in unique locations. Um, but no, I, I think we totally got that and we saw that adaptability seemed to be one of the biggest themes. And I think that's where so many folks were so excited to, to try new foods or try some restaurants, try some local places that they haven't been before. It was really a, a, a tremendous opportunity. So I think that that's really exciting we're going to talk a little bit as we keep this conversation going. We'll talk a little bit about some of the parking things. And I know we, we did some dedicated spaces that was super cool and I think valuable. Um, we'll get into that at the, at the right time. But maybe 
as we stay with restaurants and we talk about this phase two of the executive order, where we go and, and all of the things that are changing. So we're, we're now able to see the capacity. Are we up to 50%? Is that what I understand? My understanding is as of this moment, we're at 50%. Yes. So 50% is tough and, and I'm not in the restaurant business, but I, I, I visit a lot and, and I get there's, there's management of that. There's practices, there's financial um, obligations from these restaurateurs. If I'm going to open up, it's really all or nothing. So when you put me at 50%, it doesn't do a whole lot. I still need a real good dedicated staff to do a number of different things. And I just can't sit as many people. Are we seeing um, visitors come and, and, and come inside the restaurants and come and sit and spend time? Has that, has it started yet? Or, or are we still waiting a little bit? Yeah, I think at the initial onset, you know, people were a little nervous. Uh, I think we've definitely, everyone's still closing earlier. Hours are still abbreviated. Uh, and I think that's one of the ways that the restaurants kind of make up for, you know, the, the, the cost of doing business is, is to abbreviate the hours and, and take some of that labor cost off of them. But you know, folks are coming downtown. I see uh, lots of healthy gatherings uh, at, at most of the restaurants, uh, especially the sit down, you know, serve you at the table type restaurants versus the fast casual. Uh, you can get in and out of the fast casual a lot faster, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I think folks are, are feeling better about coming out. I think they were ready to come out. Different restaurants are handling their sort of social distancing practices and, and good safety practices a little differently. We aren't getting any kind of hard and fast guidelines from the state that say you must do it this way. So mm -hmm. I, they're leaving it to, so some, some, are, some are more uh, popular in their, in their social distancing and their safety precautions than mm -hmm. others in terms of what the community is saying. Uh, but you know, my, what I tell folks is, is that you're, you're going to have to say that to that owner individually, you know, what you appreciate or don't appreciate about how they're handling, uh, the, the, the guidelines. And also, you know, it's, uh, what I tell the business is you have to be aware that social media is a beast. And if people don't like what they see in your restaurant, they are going to tell their friends on social media about it. So yes. you have to be very, very careful. And, you know, the mask situation, some, some servers are wearing masks, other restaurant servers are not wearing masks. I don't think that that's a, I mean, that's a hard one because, uh, you know, because of just the political climate around wearing a mask. So everybody, I think, has to make their own individual decision. They have to visit their one of their favorite places and they have to decide, is this good enough for me and my family? Uh, yeah. And then move on. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the masks are, are challenging. And, and we see a lot of businesses and offices and medical clinics and other people where there's requirements. And I understand that there are different um, persuasions and interest levels. And so it's you're, you're probably very smart not to get in front of this as a, um, you know, as an individual or an organization to say here, well, this is, we, we support people to do this and this is a responsible way to do it. It's different to everybody. Um, and we've learned we're not going to make everybody exactly happy. So we trust in these restaurant owners. We trust in the business owners that they're doing the right things to 
protect their staff, protect their visitors, protect their, you know, the, the folks that are there. And we're all going to, you know, be responsible and kind of get through it. Let me go back and just hit on the parking thing real quick. And I remember, so me working with the city, I remember when this was coming about and, and we had some specific requests that were coming from either the LDVA or some of the business community downtown, some of the restaurant community specifically, that boy, it sure would be beneficial if we could get some dedicated spaces on street to help with the, the influx of to-go food, of getting things in and out. It's going to make it so much easier for me to pull my car up in front of someplace, wait two minutes and go. And, and I think that worked. We saw Lakeside Village. We saw a lot of places really start to do that. And it was the, it was the model. So for those of you that didn't come downtown during the, the more serious periods of the lockdown, downtown was doing a great job and the restaurants of having, you know, four, five, six spaces in front of each of the restaurants that were dedicated to them. How did that work? Um, I think it was, it was pretty well received, but what might that look like in the future? Well, you know, it was, it was definitely critical at the time. And, and as I communicate with the restaurants now and ask them, you know, what are the, how is the percentage of sales, uh, how is to go as, as far as a percentage of your sales? And they're pretty consistently saying that it's ticking down uh, back to not quite the normal levels because it's still higher than normal levels. But, and, that, and maybe that will always be, but it's definitely not the critical need of, well, we can't, no one can sit in the restaurant. So we have no, nothing but to go, nothing yeah. but curbside. So it, uh, we're, we're monitoring that and we're hoping that, um, you know, as, as that, that need for the, those spaces in front start sort of wane, we will look at implementing additional outdoor seating, which is something we have been talking about for a long time. And some might say, well, we do a lot of talking, not a lot of action. Um, but there are a lot of things to consider. And at the time when we were talking about it, there was no funding for it. Uh, no. you know, if a business, if a business wanted a parklet, you, you know, you, the city was contemplating, well, do they rent that parking space from me? And, you know, they have to pay to have the parklet built and permitted and engineered and constructed. And all of that would fall on the business owner because, and maybe rightfully so, they're expanding their ability to their seating capacity, which means more money potentially in their pockets. Why should they get that space for free? Yeah. Well, then COVID hits and, you know, we almost bankrupted all of our restaurants. So we really can't get to a position where we can say, now you got to shell out ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 if you want four or five extra tables in front of your business. So I'm, I'm a visual person and I'm hearing this term a whole lot. Give me a little bit about what the heck a parklet is. So they're called parklets or they're called streeteries. I kind of like streeteries because it's a, it's a little closer to what you're actually doing, which is you're eating yeah. in the streets. So a streetery. Mm -hmm. um, a parklet doesn't necessarily have to include uh, seating for dining. You'll, if you see what parklets are, it's basically taking a parking space and turning it into a park. So you might see people with, you know, benches and, you know, trees and, and, you know, even like a, a little, some kind of little playground equipment, that could be a parklet. But in terms of the restaurants, we're thinking parklet or streeteries are additional outdoor seating to enhance their capacity, but also it really enhances the streetscape. I mean, we love our 10-foot sidewalks, but when you go to other cities that really have robust uh, 
outdoor seating, they have 20 foot sidewalks and, you know, there's umbrellas and activity yeah. and energy. And we would love to have that, but that takes, that takes a lot of infrastructure uh, investment that yes. isn't, there's no pot of money that is just waiting for us to tap into, to expand our sidewalks. Uh, and then of course you're taking away uh, parking spaces when you do that. And a lot of the current businesses have some strong feelings about that. And some Absolutely. see the value and some of, of those parklets and others see the value in those parking spaces right in front. So you have conflicting interests, um, you know, in the current mix of businesses, which again, you know, we're looking at vi the vision of downtown, not necessarily a, a, a democracy of, you know, majority rule of the current businesses, but you do have to weigh all of that. And, yeah. and there's, there's alcohol laws and rules and there's city ordinances that prohibit uh, alcohol from on the sidewalks. And so there's a lot of, uh, it's all the, uh, the, the unglamorous things that come along with those kinds of ideas that we work through behind the scenes so that we're being fair to everyone. Yes, a pretty picture of a parklet gets the community excited. It gets us excited as well. But we have to do the hard work to implement it. And we got to make sure that we're doing it fairly. And it's something that we can, you know, across the board offer. Or are we just picking winners and losers? And, you know, that may be the case. Yeah, well, that's a great point because there's there's safety concerns. There's so many logistics that go behind it. Um, so if I can visualize being a visual person, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, some of our downtown, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, some of our areas where we've got existing restaurants and bars. So there's on-street parking that's in front of these facilities that's street-side parking. I think I heard something about a potential, is it a grant opportunity or something that, that's been announced yeah, we're the board met this past month. Obviously, the, our our May meeting that just that just passed, and we we talked about sort of a low budget type parklet uh, that maybe could get implemented quickly for you know a couple of thousand dollars. But they really felt like we don't want to to do it uh, halfway and then have it fail. So they yeah. they funded an opportunity for three parklets to be installed at up to $10,000 each that the LDDA would work with that business owner to, to implement. So if we get more interest than three, once we sort of put out the application, then we'll have some criteria that will whittle that down to the, to the three. But yeah, we're, it, it's, it's, it's hot right now. It's rainy right now. And this is the best time to work through that process. Yeah, absolutely. Fully implement it in the fall, you know, maybe August, even if it's um, if we can get it done. And that way people have a little time to get used to it before, you know, before the fall hits. But, yeah, our hope is to implement at least three of those in the coming months. And then let's see how it goes. Will people use them? You know, does it really enhance the streets like we think it will? and um, move on from there. Well, that's really exciting. Uh, you're smart to do it right now. Um, you're right, it's it's hot, it's summer, it's rainy. This is a, a little bit of a slower season for, for some of our, our folks downtown. So we'll iron out the details and, and see if we can make it happen for the fall. Right. Um, so shifting a little bit from, from restaurant, um, restaurant really covers so much of what we're doing downtown, but I know we've got a lot of you know, really great specialty, you know, retail 
shops, um, some some venues, a, a lot of people that are there that were put in a position that they had to close their doors completely throughout this. And so, you know, my wife shared with me some really good innovative stories and some things that she had read on Facebook. But I wanted to just ask from your standpoint, um, you know, from a retail standpoint, how did some of the the brick and mortar stores do during this process of really having to close their doors? I mean, was the, were there opportunities um, to to begin some online shopping or some curbside deliveries? I mean, I know that was not an immediate um opportunity, but I think as it got on, people saw others doing it and, and a little learned on the fly. But how, so how did retail perform? How did they do? Are they okay? I think retail obviously suffered a lot more than restaurants did. Yeah. Um, and they were completely shut down. Online sales, you know, are, 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 are a challenge when, if you're talking about shipping costs and things like that, uh, some of them had, you know, one or two items that were considered essential. And mm-hmm. so they, they use that as a reason to, to keep their doors open. Uh, and, you know, I applaud that. That's fine. You know, it's a wild, wild west out there right now and everybody was doing what they needed to do. And, yeah. I, you know, people would call me and say, what do you think about this? And I'm like, don't ask permission, beg forgiveness. And we'll see what happens. That was, that was my, my motto for everyone who called and, you know, it, it's been tough. I think a lot of them realized they needed to, to really step up their game online. Uh, mm-hmm. And throughout that process, a lot of them were working on, you know, building websites that they could really shop online for the, for the future. Uh, but, you know, like you said, that you call them specialty, you know, our downtown retailers are not filled with essential items that you shop for every single day. They really are the feel-good things that you buy for yourself. They're the gifts you buy. They're the things that make you feel pampered, uh, you know, and during a situation like this, I think people, you know, can live without those things. And those yeah. are so oftentimes the first things to go when you're worried about um, so many other things. And so it's tough. And, but they, they, they're still here and they're back. They're open. Uh, they had a great week right before mother's day. I think Good. so many folks came down and shop for Mother's Day. So I think we're, we're going to keep them all. I think everybody's going to be with us for the for Great. the long haul. And, um, you know, we're about to start a summer shopping promotion called Shop Text Win. So you text in your receipts uh, to us at the LDDA. It's on our website, uh, downtownlkld.com. And you can win gift cards each week. Uh, so we're just promoting shopping downtown and enjoying the businesses that are here. So... On the shopping, you know, I heard a rumor the other day about the farmer's market. Historically, we we haven't done the farmer's market during the summertime. Is that an opportunity? Is that something maybe we we think about with with the way the world has changed? Well, we're definitely staying open this August because we were clo- we closed uh, March 14th and reopened May 30. And so with that extended, I think that's 11 or 12 weeks of, of closures okay. that we wanted to give the opportunity for the vendors uh, who missed out on those sales, the opportunity to stay open in August and maybe recoup some of that. So it'll be hot, uh, yeah. but we feel like folks are you know, itching to get out. A lot of people aren't going to be traveling this summer because of COVID. So we're, you know, we're going to have a staycation right here in downtown yeah. Lakeland. 
and shop with our, our downtown businesses and our downtown farmers curb market merchants. So yeah, we normally we're closed in August, but we're going to power through. And uh, instead of a grand reopening, we're just going to you know keep on powering through August and start September the new year. As we, we wrap up our, our 30 minutes here, you know, do you have a, a big picture dream or vision for 2030? I mean, 10 years down the road, how, how different or what might downtown look like? In 10 years, I, I want to see a lot more residential. I want to see the West built out with a lot of great offices over there yeah. uh, and, and quite frankly, residential. I mean, you know, offices are again, they, they may have a different look to them for now and forever. You know, we used to, we, we talked about density in office for a long time, number of people per square foot, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we intensified, it, it's going to change again. It used to be, you know, seven or eight per thousand square feet. And now it's like 15 per thousand square feet. I think you're going to see it go back to seven or eight people yeah. per, thousand, <laughs> per thousand square feet, just for that social distancing. Um, so it'll be interesting, but uh, I think down this is a big hiccup, very, very big hiccup for all of us, not just downtown, but I think downtown is is positioned to recover and uh, and to get back on track where we were in February uh, slowly, but definitely get back on track and, and get on that path of, of growth that we were on. Well, that's great. Julie, thank you so much. I I appreciate your time. I appreciate the update. Please stay safe, and and I look forward to seeing you face-to-face at some point. Yes, good to see you soon. All right. Thank you, Julie. Thanks. Listen Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.